Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome back to the Generations Church podcast. I'm Jeff Ludington, the lead pastor of Generations Church, and we have spent over a year, right over a year, in a series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, working our way through the historic Heidelberg Catechism. We're getting ready to start a brand new podcast series working through questions of faith, challenging questions, things people ask about life. And so in between these two big series, I wanted to take some time and do something fun. And one of the greatest things I enjoy about ministry, beyond all the big spiritual things, one of the just tangible benefits, blessings of being in ministry, is I get to do a lot of fun things with fun people, people I enjoy being with. And today, one of the people I enjoy most, my good friend, Pastor Vinny Hanke. Welcome. Hey, Jeff. Good morning, man. It's good to be with you. Do you feel robbed that you just couldn't say your good morning, good afternoon, good evening? Do you feel like you feel shorted, don't you? I, I do a little bit. I mean, I'm sure Bruce Buffer can't start every day <laughs> with let's get ready to rumble, but you know. Well, I guess he could. I don't know. He makes I, I mean, a lot of money. He can do what he wants he to. Yeah. That's true. Yep. All right. Absolutely. Well, hey, I know you, I feel really well. You and I have been friends. Uh, we've been close, man, since uh, we, we began in April of 2007 when I yeah. uh, entered into the role at Oasis Church. And so you and I used to meet on, man, I want to say it was Wednesday mornings, 5 a.m. at that little Starbucks in Hesperia. Yep. And uh, that began what is now a 13 years later, uh, man, coming up on 14 years later, a great friendship and partnership in ministry. And so I know you really well, but not everybody knows you. And so uh, just a, a story, just who, or who is Vinny Hanke? Who is the man, the myth, the legend, Vinny yeah, Hanke? Something. Yeah, well, it's one of my favorite subjects to talk about myself. So uh, <laughs> as you can tell, my uncomfortable body language. Um, yep, yeah, you can see so, that over audio. Yeah, I've grown up, uh, grown up I, I w wasn't connected to uh, a church other than my Catholic baptism, uh, white tuxedo and all of that. Um, mm. At about three years old, there's a great picture my mom has. Uh, I ran away from the priest and tried to hide out. And there's a great picture of my grandma narking on me, um, pointing <laughs> me out so that the priest could come and snatch me up and sprinkle me. Um, but other than that, traumatic experience in the Catholic church. Uh, didn't grow up going to church. Uh, about 10 years old, my family moved up to an area called the High Desert in Southern California. And uh, we met a single mom who had kids all the same age as my parents. And we began to hang out. And one day, the oldest daughter, same age as I was, invited us to go to church. And I thought, if the cute girl wants to hang out, we can go wherever she wants. <laughs> and so my brother and I went to Sunday school at what was then Crosswinds Community Church, a Reformed Church in America congregation, and just fell in love with our Sunday school teacher and the environment there. We'd always been real close to family, lots of cousins. But when we moved into this area in the high desert, all of a sudden we were isolated from our blood family. And so very quickly, my brother and I made the church our new spiritual family. Um, long story short, uh, God used that little girl's invitation to save my whole family. Uh, I grew mm -hmm. up in that church in uh, 2000. Uh, I graduated high school from the Hesperia High School and got into volunteer ministry. Very early on, felt a call to pastoral ministry, um, even as young as 14 years old. Like that's what God wanted me to do was to, to teach the Bible and to disciple other people to give to others what Jesus had given to me so freely. 
And so uh, began a journey that started in, uh, anything I could do. I was the janitor for a while. I served as a deacon. Um, I was in youth ministry when I met you uh, just as a lay volunteer leader. And so we began meeting, like you said, at Starbucks just for some discipleship. I, I remember early on telling you, I'm a Timothy in search of a Paul. Um, and even admittedly, not knowing exactly what that meant, uh, come to find sure. out. And so uh, that began my journey. Uh, I finished my pastoral training and leadership with you in September of 2007. Uh, and I had a bunch yeah. of great mentors along the way, pastors, um, but it was really you who helped focus me and, and really kind of finish off um, what God had been calling me to do. And so I got into pastoral ministry in 07, began in youth ministry, moved into kind of an executive role, learning the, the business side and the the interaction with government side of, of the church and just managing, you know, the organizational side. Um, and then in 2010, when we replanted you down in, in Southern California, help um, El Dorado Park Church replant, the board there asked me to take over as the lead pastor of the church I grew up in, which is one of my greatest yeah. uh, and privileges and blessings that I got to, I got to preach to people who knew me as a child um, and did that for seven years until 2017 uh, and then by God's grace was reunited with you, uh, and did some stuff, uh, on the side for you, just side projects and helping. And then in 2019, uh, came in contact with a church in Meridian, Idaho, uh, was not looking to move. We loved California, thought that would be our home forever. Uh, but God, through a series of providential movements and acts, uh, moved us up here and I became the lead pastor of Valley Life Community Church on November 1st. 2019. Hmm. Uh, so just about a year, year and a couple months in uh, up here. Yeah, just in time for coronavirus. That's amazing. It, it is fantastic <laughs> to, to just feel like you have a handle on faces and names and then everybody moves back to their living room. Yeah. And they're yep. like, all right, here we go. Fun. Yeah. You know, uh, sending you out to, from generations out to, uh, to Valley Life, was an incredible thing, man. I, I just, uh, this is about you, not me, but I, I really, uh, it was amazing how God had moved so many people to that area, specifically some of them to that city, yeah. some who had already visited that church when they'd moved there prior to you, not knowing anything about this. Yep. Um, what God was doing ahead of time is incredible. It was like real life reading a narrative from scripture where God is orchestrating things before people understand it. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty incredible. I, one of the elders of generations had moved up here to Meridian and I, I knew that he had lived in Idaho. I didn't know what city. So when I started yeah. talking to Valley Life, um, I just texted him and said, Hey man, have you heard of this church or do you know where Meridian Idaho is? And he's like, bro, I, that's uh, five minutes from my house and I've visited there and, uh, yeah, and just all these little, like you mentioned, providential acts of God, uh, moving both people from and in and around generations, um, and even yeah. just Southern California RCA churches up here. Yeah. When, when we started interviewing, there were, there were crazy connections that we had made, um, if for no other reason, because we were connected to the same Reformed church movement. Yeah, well, shout wow. out to Brandon Torres, who has become yep. your partner in ministry up there, amongst yep. many others. Uh, one of my elders is yep. brother sibling to one of your elders. So it's crazy. It is crazy connections. You're right, man. Yeah. It's amazing. So uh, we both have one even house in our elder board. So that's good. Yes. Hey, man. Um, so 
tell me a bit about Valley Life. So here's, here's what I'm asking, and you can fill in the pieces you feel are relevant. Um, my story has been one of taking on churches that are struggling and going the wrong direction, declining or dying in some cases, and doing turnaround stuff. And then one of the big ones was Oasis, where I was with you. I literally, you came on staff full-time six months into my being there. I was there for three and a half years. And so we've done the turnaround thing for churches, the replant, the restart stuff um, together. And God had uniquely equipped you to go up to Idaho to work with a church that had been absent of a senior leader and absent of a vision for ministry for a long time. And to and and this is a story of many churches, good churches, good people, right? Yep. Who, for absence of leadership, are headed the wrong direction, and over a long protracted season, had suffered decline and struggle, and they hire you. And so the the journey uh, of the church, the pastor, the leader, every church in that situation, consciously or unconsciously, is trying to hire their savior. I mean, they really are struggling and looking for that. Uh, we know. We can't be that. But uh, how do you, so as you enter into that story, tell me a bit about the Valley Life journey. Yeah. Well, one of the things that struck me about Valley Life was how familiar it sounded to Oasis and to the church I grew up in. Um, we went through two major pastoral transitions while growing up at, at Crosswinds and Oasis Church. And so as I was reading about them, some of the really awesome things that God does in those seasons when, when there isn't a pastoral leader, um, the community of, of the church really takes ownership for one another and really just builds a sense of love and cooperation with each other and, and even begins to care for each other. For what I would describe as in that Ephesians 4 sense of building the body up in love together. And so that was going on here, just tons of care and, and community life. The people really grew to love one another and bear the weight of ministry together. But then there's some also some things that happen in those seasons that I experienced that were happening at Valley Life where there's just a, an, an absence of a cohesive leadership relationship. The, the board um, leads the church and, um, you know, begins to take on more responsibility of running the church. The staff who's typically used to running the church kind of feels that pressure and there can be distrust and, and frustration. And, and so there was some of that over the period of this two years. Uh, one of the neat things Valley Life did is they hired one of their elders to be an interim ministry director or to, to lead through the transition just the summer before I got here. And so he was able to stabilize and work through a lot of those things prior to me arriving. Um, but what, what Valley Life uh, had been planted in 1998, and they, they'd really been influenced by the church growth movement. And so you mm -hmm. saddleback ministry, um, a lot of Rick Warren's fingerprints were all over this place in, in terms of values and, and systems. And so when, when I got here, I brought some of that gospel centered um, Acts 29 ministry mm -hmm. leadership. Um, so we, we, you know, very early on started with the three words that are familiar to listeners, gospel community and mission. And so I just kind of set right. them on this three year trajectory of, Hey, the first year, we're just going to move the gospel back to the center of everything we do. Um, I warned the search team. I said, listen, I've got one sermon and I'm going to preach it every Sunday. Um, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what text of scripture yep. we're getting into or where we're going. We're going to get to Jesus. And so as long as that's uh, attractive to you, I'll, I can help. Um, but if you are bored with Jesus or bored of the gospel, I'm not your guy. Uh, <laughs> and then this, as we begin the second year, we're moving into emphasizing that community piece. And so 
um, as the gospels move back to the center of everything we do and, and every ministry we have, we're now going to emphasize kind of that community. What does it mean to be disciples? What does it mean to disciple one another in the gospel of Jesus Christ, where the, the gospel is not just a message and a mission we have, but, but it's also the method in which we do life together. Uh, so we just launched community groups. We had a fantastic uh, community group leader training. We were going to have it at my house. I thought we'd get three or four couples. Mm -hmm. uh, we had 16 sign up for this training. And so we <laughs> moved it to the church. We spent uh, eight weeks together working through gospel community mission and, and just practical being a leader of a small group ministry. And so those are launching mm -hmm. in the second year and we're getting kind of women's and men's ministry initiatives up off the ground to be gospeled men, to be gospeled women. Um, our, min our children's ministry director is fantastic. Um, she's helping us to build gospel-centered families. Um, and then as we, as we do that, we've seen God bless us with some, some numerical growth. Um, we, we've stabilized, um, we've grown even through coronavirus. Um, and what we're aiming at in that year, year three is the mission and method of multiplication. It's saying, man, we, we, we don't want to build this big, huge church Disneyland where more right. people come and hear me talk. We want to be people who are multiplying ourselves in every area of ministry. And so that perhaps God might grant us the opportunity to multiply congregations or, or to multiply churches. And so that'll be as we press into year three. So in a snapshot, that's kind of who we are, uh, you know, gospel community uh, mission uh, people. We, we have a goal. Uh, uh, the church has set a vision of reaching 500 uh, people for Jesus about five years ago. And so we're, we're almost done with year five of that vision. Um, and if we, if we understand connecting people to Jesus as light life transformation stories, we're going to hit that goal uh, easy. Mm -hmm. It may not be 500 people attending our worship service on Sundays, um, but there have been 500 people impacted by this church and their testimony of Jesus Christ. And they were, they were doing a great job of that well before I got here. Mm, that's amazing. That's really cool. You'd, you'd mentioned um, that one of the, I'll call it a benefit, uh, one of the benefits or one of the things that a church can do in the absence of um, a senior leader or strong leadership, uh, especially around a lead pastor, is they learn how to care for one another. Um, I think that's a, um, that's probably a thing that churches default back to, uh, in a bad way, default back to the senior leader being the primary caregiver rather than the church caring for one another. Um, in this season of coronavirus, uh, throughout these last nine months of a variety of restrictions, again, you're in Idaho, I'm in California, I mean, we're in LA County, so we see it a lot differently. Yeah. Um, we, we've, we've, you know, experienced a lot differently than Idaho, but everybody, all of us, the whole nation, whole world really has had its ups and downs. So, um, one of the things that was powerful for us was that we cared for one another yeah. and, uh, that our expectation was not that I would care for everybody or any of our staff or pastors, or whatever, that we'd care for one another. Um, how, yeah. So how maybe might a church today hear that and, and, and employ that, even if it's a senior leader, uh, yeah. or, you know, hearing it or a church with a good solid leadership. Yeah. I think so systematically the church had done something really wise that I'd always wanted to do, but never gave enough time and effort to um, even in our time at Oasis is early on in the transition, they set up elder care communities. Mm -hmm. So they took the church directory, they divided it up alphabetically and gave each elder a set of letters and then each family with that last name was under their care. 
So they've been doing that. And when I got here, I didn't mess with it. I just jumped into it. And even our own family, we have a care elder. So there's an elder who calls me once a month, who calls and checks in with my wife and just seeks to check in and pray for us and know if there's any need. So they had been doing that. So I'll I'll give you my expectation of, of, of that pastoral care and then what happened. So when we hit coronavirus, we went into kind of crisis management mode. So we went out as a church organizationally and we bought a cell phone. And we set up a, a dedicated phone number that you could text or call mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we rotated that phone among the elders, anticipating and expecting that there were going to be some major pastoral crisis and, and needs that organizationally, formally, pastorally, I was going to have to respond to. Right. In the seven weeks we experienced our state stay-at-home order, we got zero texts and <laughs> zero calls on that organizational helpline. Money well spent. Yeah, money well spent. Um, and I, I, at first I was disappointed, but then what I began to hear was the stories of the community of the church just meeting needs for one another. Hmm. It didn't have to be driven through the organization like I was used to or thought it did. It was happening organically among the people because they, had, they were so used to having contact with their elder on a regular basis. They were so used to living in community already and being in one another's lives that they just began to meet needs without me knowing. And so I would attribute let that. Me, let me interrupt. That That's yeah. beautiful. So let me ask you how that works. So, uh, and again, sorry to cut you off. That's not what we do on a podcast, but man, uh, so do an average Joe Valley life attender has a struggle, um, marriage crisis, um, health need, whatever, right? Yep. Um, their process, what, do they do they have uh, a group that they call? Do they reach out to the elder? What's their, what's the struggle that never that God handled before that phone would ever have to be used. Yeah, they, they would uh, they would connect with their care elder, and then okay. their care elder would be activated to to access the church's resources to help, you know, uh, immediately. And then if that uh, if that got elevated or the family desired pastoral contact, then it would it would come to me. Um, and I, you know, so let's say a hospital visit, for instance, mm-hmm. the care elder knows about it. He would go and visit um, if that family wants to hear from me or I've got a particular relationship with them already, um, you know, personally, then then I would I would be there present as well. Um, and then one of the things we do for follow up is every month at our elders meeting, we're focused on care needs. Okay. Uh, and so every elder reports on what they're experiencing within their uh, care group. And so we so everyone's aware of what's going on. Now, how does that, do you guys have deacons there, active deacons? We have, yep, yep, we, okay. have, we have active deacons too. How does that differ from the care needs that the, the deacons Yeah, so handle? the church has a, yeah, the church has a, a pretty robust benevolence ministry as okay. well. And so it'd be partnership between the elders and deacons um, in that realm. So if there was a financial need, the elder would get in contact with the benevolence deacon and okay. set an appointment up. And then that benevolence deacon would take take the lead from there and make sure that the hmm. family would receive resources and, and help. Well, that's cool. That's so there's a nugget, man, if you're in ministry, I don't care at what level. Um, but if you have any influence in a church, there's a nugget for you. There is, um, one of the things I've said about coronavirus where, uh, generations church grew, uh, not only numerically, but we, we matured a bit too, but, uh, we grew during coronavirus, uh, restrictions and online only and all that season. We, we're able to hire three more people uh, during that season when uh, one of those people that we hired got laid off from another church. So we experienced some things. And, and I have told people the key 
was that we didn't view church as the building or the Sunday service, right? And we struggle yeah. with that. Everybody struggles with that. But the, when people say, well, what does that mean? Well, we cared for one another. And you have just unpacked an embedded DNA inside of Valley Life of yeah. caring for one another. That's, I want to say it's organic, but it is, it is organized. It's structured. It, you know, you have it. There's a flow chart for that somewhere. And, yeah. and um, but it works so much so where your expectation was, we're going to need this phone. This thing's going to be blowing up. Yep. Never rang. That's super powerful. Yeah. That's was, amazing. Was, yeah. It was, it was just, again, a testimony to the community life. Um, some things we did organizationally then could become proactive instead of reactive. So we, uh, during the month of April, we egged and toilet papered uh, every house in the church. Uh, what I mean, not what you're thinking. Uh, so we bought a roll of toilet paper and a dozen eggs from a local business, uh, and we delivered them on the porch of every household. Uh, we distanced and masked, but we just dropped it off and said, you've been egged and TP'd by Valley Life Community Church. Uh, we did yard signs that said, you know, you're missed and loved by Valley Life Church. Uh, we did uh, a, a Passion Week gift basket so that parents could walk, uh, so families could walk through the ad, or excuse me, the uh, crucifixion story and last week of Jesus' life together um, in their homes. So there were some things we did that because the church was doing such a good job reactively, we could be proactive and caring and do some thoughtful things. Mm. Well, I, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was just a passion for ministry that you have, but I, I think you've captured it. If I could say what I know about you as a passion, um, and this sounds super redundant and dumb, but uh, you care for people. I mean, you're super, super shepherding. Like you, uh, you live and breathe care. Um, I mean, I just got something in the mail from you and uh, always kind, always thoughtful, but the, you are always the handwritten card guy. Uh, it's personal, it's meaningful, it's, it's thoughtful. And uh, those, the church, though Valley Life, had some of these aspects built into them, um, they are reflecting now your heart. And I know that I, I saw those yard signs and I'll try and find that. In fact, maybe you send me that picture again and I'll post that in the show notes. But uh, those were so cool. And I think if you were, if I remember correctly on the side that faces the house, like think real estate sign if you're listening, right? And the side that faces the house that said you were loved by Valley Life or something to that effect. And then on the side that faces the street, I think it says something different, like this family is loved by Valley yep. Life or something to that yep, effect, exactly right? That. Yep, yep, exactly that. So thoughtful. And um, I think, and without you know asking you that question, because I don't want to miss this next question I get to ask you, but uh, without that, man, I, I, I mean, w with all that, we see your DNA now inside of a church that was, um, was built for that. And we just see God's hand at work, I think, in that yeah. moment. Thanks, man. All right, for the big stuff, man. Lightning yep. round. You did lightning round with me. I want I a did. lightning round with you. Okay, I'm ready. So, all right. Stretch. Oh, okay, we're ready. All right. At what age do you want to retire? I'm not sure retirement is a biblical concept, so I will plan on preaching my funeral, climbing in, and having them shut the lid. Um, okay. But I, I, would say, uh, I would say at an age where I can uh, pass off leadership to the next leader and, and, and have the church flourish. Um, hmm. So when I, when I can no longer lead the church into its next season, uh, I will be ready to, to, to move on into retirement, um, into hopefully having the opportunity to pastor pastors one day. Mm, that's good. All right. 
favorite book of the Bible? Uh, so this one, uh, I've preached it a couple times already. Uh, uh, in fact, three times, once with you and twice alone. But uh, Ephesians is my favorite book of the Bible. I think there's just mm. no better articulation of the gospel in the first three chapters and then how to live in light of the gospel in the last three chapters than Ephesians. All right. Favorite verse that is not in Ephesians. Oh, that would be James 1, 2 through 4. Uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith will develop perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so it may be uh, complete and lacking nothing. Mm, you want to endure hardship. Yeah, so I don't want to endure hardship. I want, okay. <laughs> what, I, what I hope to do is consider it joy when I experience hardship, uh, knowing that God is doing something in my soul. Wow, that's very good. That's very good. Last book of the Bible you preached out of? So last book of the Bible, we just finished uh, doing the first book of Acts. So if you're okay. familiar, Acts is, is divided up in about four books. We just did chapters one through chap, uh, chapter one through chapter six, verse seven. Okay. Do you see Acts as having six total books or seven total books? Six. Oh, all right. Okay. Last lightning round question. In Romans 7, where Paul talks <laughs> about, ah, what? When Paul talks about this struggle that he has, and you have just dug in that this was something he said after he came to, or before he came to faith, have you decided that both everybody smart from John Calvin on up to me is correct? Yes. Oh, I will end my life victorious right there. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, well, it really doesn't matter. I mean, everything I ever needed to hear was said in that. Uh, <laughs> Vinny and I have had a playful joke um, yeah. about Paul's words. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? And why is it that I don't do the things I want to do. And, and we have uh, laughingly joked about that passage since, uh, well, over the last 14 years for the most part. Yep. All right. I will give you a better, a I will give you a better one. I want you to go out on a, on a, on a note of humility. So fill in the Thanks, blank. Buddy. All right. Taylor Swift yeah. is. Awesome. Awesome. You made me Fantastic. answer. So I figured your answer is probably better than mine. I said taller than no, me. No, but, I like it. Okay. All right. Vinny, uh, I just want to say this, man, as I button up, as I close for today, um, I love you, bro. Uh, you, uh, you have made ministry in some of the darkest times of my life uh, doable, honestly. And uh, man, apart from God and my wife, uh, you have been a great joy in ministry. I got to interview Mike Larson uh, just recently. He too is, uh, if I have a right hand and a left hand and an Aaron and a her, man, uh, you guys uh, for sure have been that to me. So thank you. Thank you for spending time with me today. My pleasure, and, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. And if you're listening and you are preparing for our next series, or maybe you just jumped on and it's the only one you've ever heard, but you like what you're hearing, please like this, share this, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Wherever you podcast, uh, we should be there. Uh, thank you for listening today. I look forward to our next series coming up about questions of faith. Have a great day. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.